welcome it is episode three already i am mensa baku and this is where real rhetoric is spoken and decolonized bread is broken thank you for joining me for this fellowship of decolonized minds on today's program we will explore the question is there a way to make your relationship a fair proof Yes, we will get into that later in the sapiosexual session. I have a dope jam of the week for you. We will also get into the real meaning of the word Dixie. Yes, you know PD Too Small stopping by to catch us up on what's going on outside in the wine glass grapevine. I heard him talking. I heard him talking mess last week, so I got him. I got him some nice shampipple. You know. But later we'll get into the main thing. We're going to keep that thing, the main thing, as we will talk about what it means to have a love ethic. Ah, such a beautiful show today. But first, smoke with me. This episode is brought to you by Baku Olorun's Omerta Black Voodoo, a novel about love, loyalty and legacy. Jacob Playaway is an unabashed writer who tells the truth about the history of his people. And for it, he has to evade the structure's insubordinate agitator stamp, which would mark him as a dead man. It just so happens that he is also the orchestrator of a cryptic order, an outlaw outfit known as the fam. He and his brothers belong to something. Everyone has an assignment and no one violates the code. They have a custom of respect a small nation that furnishes its own doctrine of justice, retribution, and shameless pursuits of happiness. While Jacob tries to keep one half of his life in urban legend, if not a complete secret altogether, his other half meets an eccentric voodoo priestess who takes him on an unexpected spiritual journey. Omerta Black Voodoo, available on Amazon. Get your copy today. Welcome back. As always, we will begin with a segment I call That's It, That's All. In the spirit of this holiday season, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Happy Hanukkah, but especially Happy Kwanzaa. This segment, that's what I want to talk about. I want to unpack Kwanzaa. I want to talk about its history, its meaning, its value. Kwanzaa is a black American holiday. It is celebrated from December 26th through January 1st. It combines African traditions with black American customs. It was first celebrated on December 26th, 1966 in L.A., in Los Angeles, by Dr. Malinga, Karinga, and his family and his close ones. Karinga put together ancient wisdom. He centered it around six principles of black people, our history, our mythology, our creativity, social structure, our political organization, and our economics. And he created this black holiday. The core principles of Kwanzaa, the Nguzu Saba, or the seven principles in Nguzu Saba is Swahili. It's an East African language. They are December 26th, Umoja, unity. December 27th, Kujijakalia self-determination. December 28th, Ujima, collective working responsibility. December 29th, Ujama, Ujama, cooperative economics. Nia, December 30th, that's purpose. Kumba, December 31st, that's creativity. And Imani, faith, on January 1st. Kwanzaa is an outgrowth of many customs, many traditions, that we take from our African tribal practices and we reconstruct our national history and our culture, tribal values of unity and self-determination. We put that with love, hope, and imagination. All of these things came to this new world with the kidnapped African men and women who built this country. Kwanzaa celebrates the survival of these traditions and helps us not only make sense of experiences, both ordinary and extraordinary, but it helps us find deeper purpose to life. Historically, black folks desperately needed faith, determination, courage, and an abiding hope in the future. 
And that is why we still need the values and philosophies of our ancestors to provide guidance and perspective on our collective and individual paths. Kwanzaa helps black folks apply the universal principles, grow and change, live and love, create and build, honor and respect. And we use our own creative energy to do this. Kwanzaa is about using ancient wisdom to solve today's problems. So although we celebrate Kwanzaa the last week of the year, we strive to live the teachings each moment of every day, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Every day of the year, we must apply and practice the Nguzu Saba sincerely, genuinely, faithfully in order to reap what we sow. A great source of information for Kwanzaa, how to celebrate Kwanzaa, the history of Kwanzaa, beautiful passages and anecdotes from personal experiences from some of the people we look up to, such as Malcolm X and uh, Oprah Winfrey and, and a host of others. But it's called The Complete Kwanzaa, celebrating our cultural harvest by Dorothy Winbush Riley. Let's take a break. I'll be back in a minute. It's the holidays, baby. We are back and it is time for something I have been waiting for. Jam of the week. Instead of giving you a single record to roll with during this holiday season, or at least for this next week, I want to give you my top 10 R&B Christmas songs in no particular order. I'm going to play them. I'm going to let you sit with them. I'm going to let them vibe with you. I want them to resonate with you like they resonate with me. You can add them to your particular playlist. If you got some to sip on right now, sip on it. If you got them to smoke, smoke them. And we're going to vibe out. Number one, Kerr Franklin and the family. Now behold the lamb. Yes, that is Kurt Franklin and the family. Now behold the lamb. Coming in next, Ron McKnight. Boys the men, let us know.
Yes, 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 yes. That is Boys to Men, Brian McKnight. Let it snow. Coming up next is a old classic. It reminds me of my mama every time I uh, play it because we played it all the time during the holidays as I was coming up. If you old school, you know what this is. Silent Night. The Temptations. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse in my mind Temptations one time, Silent Night. This one right here, the next one, number four. If this doesn't take you back to the 90s, I don't know what will. Let's go. Slay Rod, T-Boss, Left Eye, Chili, TLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TLC. Slay Ride. Rest in peace, left eye. Fellow Gemini. One of my Gemini sisters. Next we got, next I got a two for one. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. 
I'm going to play for y'all a little bit of the classic James Brown version and then a little bit of the uh, updated Anthony Hamilton version. Either one, you, you know, you can't lose playing either one. But this is number five. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Hitch up your reindeer uh, and go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Fill every stocking you find. The kids are gonna love you so. Uh, leave a toy. For Johnny, leave a dog for Mary. Leave something pretty for Johnny, and don't forget about Gary. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Tell him James Brown sent you. Go straight to the ghetto You know that I know what you will see Cause that was once me Hit it! Hit it! That's James Brown's version right there. Anthony Hamilton's version. Coming up. Let's go. Santa Claus Go straight to the ghetto. Hit your parading head and go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus and go straight to the ghetto. favorite of mine is also by Anthony Hamilton Tis the Season The seventh gem I have for you is a Christmas classic by none other than Mr. Otis Redding. Merry Christmas, baby. Merry Christmas, baby. 
The King Otis Redding, the King Otis Redding. You know when you hear this, wherever you hear it, whether it's at the store, whether it's at school, wherever you hear this song, when you hear it, you, you know it's Christmas time. You know it's time to get ready for the holidays. You know Kwanzaa is up on us. Me, me. All I want for Christmas is you. much of that y'all y'all know what that is y'all know what that is my ninth holiday jam for y'all one of my favorite singers y'all know her as fantasia what christmas means to me off of the best man holiday soundtrack Fantasia with what Christmas means to me, my love. My 10th jam for the holiday season. When I play this, when this, when, when y'all hear this, you gonna know what it is and, and there is no mistaking about it. I don't even have to tell you what it is, therefore I won't. I'll just let you tell me what it is. <laughs> This has been Jam of the Week, my top 10 R&B Christmas songs. Add those to your playlist. Make sure you, you know, you you vibe with them a little bit and, and, and y'all enjoy yourselves this holiday season. Make time for you folks as always. Eat some good food. Do it in moderation. Fellowship with your folks. Y'all be safe out there, man. Smoke break. This episode is brought to you by Baku Olorun's Dovetail Gypsy Skin, an inspirational, provocative, and rich body of poetic prose. This collection offers numbing narratives, mindful moments, and sensational sentiments. Dovetail Gypsy Skin gives voice to the way we love each other, the way we see ourselves, the way we deal with loss, the ways we are affected by societal issues, all of which combine to form vivid depictions of life as seen through the eyes of the storyteller dovetail gypsy skin available on amazon get your copy today all right it is time to keep the main thing the main thing on this holiday episode of omurda black i want to get into how having a love ethic 
as a principle you stand on will get you the desires of your heart. Love. It is the only human possibility for healing, but it is also the most apprehensive of any emotive effort because one doesn't know what it will bring. And we are all completely terrified of being hurt. And how do we protect ourselves from being hurt? It's a trick question because the answer is counterproductive to the act of love itself. The answer, however, is that we protect ourselves by obsessing over power and control. Well, actually, you can see it. I can see it. They can see it. We all can see it. Whenever a relationship hits that point of being unhealthy, let alone toxic, it is easy to see that someone is power tripping or obsessively trying to control the other. However, culturally and historically, black folks have demonstrated a love ethic in all areas of human activity, economy and the way we interact with each other in terms of goods and services, education and how we learn and teach each other, entertainment and our desire to make people laugh and feel good, health and how we nurture and care for ourselves and for our families, labor and how much humility and dignity we put into performing our jobs, law and how we have always trusted that the right thing will happen in the end, politics and how we are naive at times when we trust that people who don't look like us have our best interests, religion, and this is the area of human activity that we have been most intimate even when we have been deceived. Sex and how we relate to one another in our public lives, our personal lives, and our private lives. And lastly, war, or we can also call this area of human activity government. Still, it is the area of human activity where we attempt to relate to the world's other nations and countries. Black people have largely been taken advantage of in this country because we place a love ethic first when endeavoring into the world and society. We have not figured out how to have a love ethic and also maintain an effective sense of awareness where we can love, but also not allow ourselves to be played with. Let's dive into what a love ethic is. According to Bell Hooks, a love ethic presumes that everyone has the right to be free and independent to live existentially, which is to say to live and walk to the beat of one's own drum. This is, of course, made difficult by society's pull to have everyone talk the same, act the same, dress the same, basically to become part of the hive mind, part of what the mainstream tells you is important. And we can clearly see that mainstream society has neglected any type of love ethic. The music doesn't reflect love, trust or any type of deep desire to connect. Neither do the movies, the laws of this country, or social media. Everything is conflict-driven, drama-filled, and overall exhausting, and it is no wonder why love is absent between us. The media is part of the problem, but not the entire problem. The music, the movies, the television content is only a reflection of what we allow. Were we collectively to stop watching the self-destructive BS on TV today, Shows would have no recourse but to change by next week. The same is with music. If we stop supporting music that spotlights drug use, violent homicides, the hardening of women, the softening of men, the unrecognizable dynamic between men and women, half the rappers would be irrelevant tomorrow. The culture would be radically transformed for the better. But we must have patience and grace with all of this because we accept this unloving content in society and that we have become more familiar with the realities of violence, empty sex and unhealthy relationships than we are with the realities of peace, deep intimacy and holistic relationships. Ultimately, we as free thinkers and independent bodies must decide. Do you want love and peace of mind in your life or do you want chaos and destruction in your life? This decision will require courage. You have to let go of all the noise and trust in something bigger than you. And then you have to practice the things you really want, respect, caring and demonstrating a love ethic.
A love ethic is based on commitment to make decisions based on truth, justice, order, harmony, balance, integrity and reciprocity. You've heard me say this before, because all those things create the what? My IT crisis or the spiritual laws of my eye. When one hasn't been shown love or hasn't had the experience of loving someone deeply, that person becomes very dangerous indeed. Without love, you lack humility. You lack the ability to understand suffering. And you have no clue at all about how to help anyone else suffer less. In order to have a love ethic, we have to confront our fears about love. Power trips, domination, and control do not exist where love also exists. How so? Because fear and love cannot occupy the same space. Or let me put it this way. Fear and God cannot occupy the same space. Now, on the subject of romantic love, here are a few notes on how to love from Tick Not Han. Recognizing true love. True love produces a feeling of intense joy, not happiness, because happiness can change in the blink of an eye. But joy, that thing that as soon as you wake up, you feel good. You feel loved. If you don't feel this when you feel loved, then it is not true love. This one touches on something I'll go deeper into in the sapiosexual session. Respect. Treat your loved one, your significant other, with the same respect as you would a house guest. This is a common sense matter, but for some reason, human nature has it that the one closest to you gets the least respect from you. Change that right now. Your beloved should always get your full and complete respect. They deserve it. That's why they're your loved one. This last note encompassing both romantic love and love at large is a great way to establish a love ethic as the foundation of how you approach life. Love is made of four essential ingredients. Loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity or equanimity. Loving kindness is your ability to offer someone peace and happiness and also your ability to not offer drama and conflict. The point is you can't offer peace and happiness until you have it for yourself. Once you have it for yourself, then you have something to offer someone else. Compassion is the capacity to understand someone else's suffering and also one's own suffering. If you can understand your own suffering and issues, then you can understand that of another. Joy is being able to find peace and happiness in life's essence, being able to just be a beautiful sign that you have joy is when you don't need anything or anyone else for your own happiness. When taking a walk is enough, when the sight of fresh flowers excites you, when being alive is reason enough to smile. Equanimity is another word for inclusiveness. It is when you no longer see yourself and your loved one, your beloved, as two separate beings with his issues being his issues and yours being yours. Equanimity is when you see you and your beloved as one. When what happens to your loved one feels like it's happening to you. So please practice these things and implement these principles in your life as they will quickly transform how you love and the love you attract. These lessons of a love ethic will also make your interactions with people, no matter where you are, more pleasurable and productive. Before we go to break, I want to share with you something that I think will make it easier to achieve a love ethic and will make having a love ethic fairly standard in your life. And that one thing is a spiritual practice. When you have a spiritual base, when you practice getting closer to the creator through Whatever means you choose, whether ancestor reverence, meditation, prayer, altar work, divination, tarot, reading the scriptures or going to church. You increase your ability to deal with various emotions and impulses and you lose all fear. This, of course, makes way for love. According to one of my spiritual grandmothers, Maya Angelou, if we lose love and respect for each other, 
this is how we finally die. With that, I see this death happening in black music, black television and black movies, which are the ways we see images of ourselves so that not only me, but you too see it in our families, our marriages, our jobs, our relationships, our health, our habits, the way we talk to each other and the way we relate to each other. Miss Angelou also teaches us that love does come with a high price. It costs everything that we are and will ever be. Yet it is the only thing which truly sets us free. A love ethic. I'll be back after this break. This episode is also brought to you by Baku Oloruns, The Resurrection Papers, Truth Rising from the Memory Hole. The Resurrection Papers will open your eyes to the enormous information hidden in the memory hole. Now, what's the memory hole? The vast majority of history has been whitewashed for the purpose of social engineering. And the truth about history is what lies in the memory hole. This book will help you to uncover solutions to many of the problems facing us today and embolden you to take action to define your own reality. Baku Oloruns, The Resurrection Papers is available on Amazon. Get your copy right now. Y'all heard that? So y'all know who the fuck this is. This Peter Too Smile. Y'all, this nigga got me so wide. It is Pinoir. Pinoir. What the fuck? This is Pinot Noir. Number nine. My baby mama told me not to call it number nine because it, it, you know, somewhere it, it, the number nine stood for nine dollars. But I said this shit worth more than nine dollars. That shit say Pinot number nine. So. If anybody has had 8765432 or Pinot number one, fuck with me and holler at me. Let me know how they taste. Anyway, check this out. Uh, for the holiday season, we gonna get into... Hey, cut that music off. Cut that goddamn music off. For the holiday season, we gonna get into potlucks. Potlucks at work, potlucks at home, potlucks anywhere. The do's and don'ts, the cultural differences and how to remedy some of the shit that go on at potlucks. First and foremost, who cooked what and why? I need to know who cooked what and what was the motivation behind it. Because your motivation gonna equal my interest in your dish. So, uh... I guess we can address the elephant in the room. Uh, black folks got questions, and this is in regards to the cultural differences. Black folks got questions for white folks. Why white folks bring shit to the potluck like anything with pumpkin in it? Pumpkin pie. Now, I don't know if white folks are... Black folks don't eat pumpkin pie. When we were little, we may have been tricked into thinking it was pumpkin pie, but that shit is sweet potato pie with brown sugar and butter. That's what we eat. Uh, white folks also bring shit like couscous. Uh, can somebody email us and let us know what the hell is couscous? You know, is it a salad? Is it, is it... Oatmeal, like what is couscous? Tuna salad. The hot, the, a potluck is not the time to bring tuna of any sort. Tuna fish, tuna casserole, tuna uh, fillets. I don't know. Don't bring tuna to a potluck. Deli style pasta salad. WTF. Is that S-H-I-T. Cold pasta with no flavor. I see a lot of oil. I see a lot of garnishments and, and stuff that look like seasoning. Either way, why is it cold? Or anything bacon stuff or bacon wrap. Don't nobody want all that damn pork. Just bacon stuff this, bacon stuff that. I got... Open bell peppers with bacon in it, around it, and it, okay, to, don't bring anything with pork in it either. 
black folks don't agree with pork, or pork don't agree with black folks. Now, uh, and, and again, why white folks bring any type of casserole? Potato casserole, sweet pea casserole, broccoli casserole, mushroom casserole. We don't want any type of casserole at the potluck. That's, that's not what this is. And black folks, y'all not off the hook either. Because there's some of y'all out there won't even put any effort into what y'all bring. Y'all just show up with shit y'all done stopped and got before y'all got here. Y'all done picked up some fast food items along the way. What the fuck is that shit? I'm so sorry. This is the holiday episode. Listen, don't don't bring a, a box of Popeye's chicken to the potluck. That's not what this is about. Now, if you do want to stop and get some uh, coleslaw and mashed potatoes from KFC, that's fine. Or some biscuits and honey from Popeye's. You want to bring that with you, that's fine. Even they red beans and rice be jamming, so you can bring that. But don't nobody want none of that steroid-filled chicken at the potluck. These damn pieces of chicken bigger than a newborn baby whole thigh. Now, back to y'all white folks. Things y'all should never bring to a potluck include, and is especially for you, do not ever bring any type of soul food dish. Listen, white people, don't ever play with us about, about this one. Don't show up with anything similar, identical, or in the spirit of potato salad. Don't, don't, do, don't show up with potato salad, white people. Fried chicken, I just covered that too for black people. Because black people, you only bring fried chicken if you didn't cook it. Don't bring no damn... Uh, church's chicken up here. Okay. White folks, don't bring any type of greens. Don't bring mustard. Don't bring collard. Don't bring turnip. Only grandmamas can bring greens to the potluck. Don't, white people don't show up with your style or brand of cornbread either. That's not what this is about. Don't bring cornbread. White people, don't you ever show up with candy yams. Don't ever do that, because if you, listen white people, if you show up with candy yams, then that makes one think. Did you go look up a candy yam recipe? Because if you did, then that means you, uh, is this cultural appropriation? Are y'all, y'all coming to the potlucks with braids, with cornrows? Don't do that white people, don't, don't mess with candy yams. That's dear to our heart. Now, I know some of y'all try this one, but just stop. Don't, don't show up to the potluck with your type of dressing. Dressing is only for the skilled, talented, and gifted black cooks. You know, now if you, now, now listen, this ain't got nothing to do with, with racial makeup. If you white and can really cook, then by all means do your thing. This is for the white people who like to experiment during the holiday season and have the test subjects be the attendees of the potluck. I didn't sign up to experiment with your, with your macaroni and cheese, okay? Because everybody know white folks eat mac and cheese. Black folks eat macaroni and cheese. So white folks don't don't show up with mac and cheese, and think we about to dig into that cheesy shit, okay? Now, regardless of your cultural background, don't do this at the potluck at any point. Do not look out and watch to see who eats what you brought to the potluck. 
Because if you want to see what you brought to the potluck, you can just go over there to the table and see ain't nobody really, really, really dealing with it like that. We can't grapple with it like that, okay? Uh, and also, as a party note, do not get drunk at the, at the potluck at work. That's the easiest way to come back from Christmas break with uh, your pink slip. Trust me, it happens. And then they don't want to hear you say you can't remember what they say you did at the potluck. Well, listen, I told y'all I was bringing drinks. So when I say I'm bringing drinks, I mean, I mean adult beverages. I'm not talking about no goddamn fruit punch, no goddamn Tahitian treat. I ain't talking about no goddamn cream soda. I'm talking about hard liquor. I'm talking about Hennessy. I'm talking about Paul Masson. I'm talking about Cavassier. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, listen, I came to have a good time and eat some good food. But they want to act like, you know, don't show up already drinking. But why you worry about what's in my cup anyway? Nevertheless, I have been let go from plenty drops because I have got a little inebriated at the potluck. Anyway, y'all, I'ma go, hold on, since it's the holidays, let me go ahead and talk to y'all about something else. I, I'm, I'm, I heard y'all like when I come on, and it's the holidays, so I'm here for you. Listen here, I wanted to talk about something that me and my baby mama was arguing about a, a little bit ago. And I thought it was actually very interesting. Uh, has anybody ever considered that Nia Long's portrayal of Nina Mosley in Love Jones, uh, she was really on some hoe shit. Have y'all ever thought about that? I mean, she got with Darius, then decided to go see if she still wanted her ex-boyfriend's fiancé, whoever he was. She wanted to go see if she still wanted some of that dick. She realized she did not, in fact, want that, he, what he had to offer. And she came back. Not to get with Darius, she came back and got with Hollywood, one of Darius' homeboys. And we have been blinded by Nia Long, the actress, and her work in Friday and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when she was Lisa. Now, that's why I fell in love with her when she played Lisa, you know, and she was, she was helping out Will with whatever he was going through with his daddy because his daddy was a truck driver. Y'all remember he was crying out the field. Listen, we totally let her portrayal as Nina slip through the cracks. She was smooth with it, though. I mean, she was relatable. And, you know, she had a real uh, 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 a Rihanna quality to her. She was stylish and sexy without trying to be stylish and sexy. And every black boy... Every man wanted her. But it's crazy though. Because we let that slip through the cracks like she went out her home. And just because she looked cute on the back of a motorcycle. Or dirty one and then uh, the wild hair. We let her get, get away with it. Now imagine if Darius would have been, been, been getting up on Nina's homegirl. And then tried to come back and kiss up on her after he left the whole motherfucking city to go see if he wanted his ex-girlfriend's punani. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I ain't hating. I don't hate the player. It's, a just, it's just a dirty game. So, you know, more power to her. If you can get it, get it. And if you can't, then sit down. But listen... Nia Long got that ill nah nah. Hey y'all, this this peanut and got me uh fucked up. I'ma I'ma go and play this music and get on get on out of here and and. 
What are the, well, here you go, there you go, there you go, this is my shit. Let me get out of here, y'all. Peace out. All right. It is time for a dirty little secret from the memory hole of history. As always, the secrets revealed and shared in this segment are facts about black history, U.S. history, and world history. These are secrets that they, whoever they are, would rather you not know. These are secrets you can always research for yourself. They are in books by authors and writers and educators, such as Dr. Claude Anderson, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, George G.M. James, J.A. Rogers, Anthony Browder. These facts are readily available. I call this segment Dirty Little Secrets from the Memory Hole of History simply because the vast majority of history has indeed been whitewashed for the purpose of social engineering. And all that means is history has been co-opted by non-black people to tell a story of those non-black people at the expense of what the true story is, the complete story, or what I call the holistic story which always and in always includes black people. So then with that said, today's dirty little secret from the memory hole of history is what exactly is Dixie? There are at least two schools of thought about where the controversial word Dixie comes from. Some say the word comes from the Mason-Dixon line that divides Pennsylvania from Maryland. Others say that Dixie originated from the $10 bill issued by banking institutions in Louisiana. That particular $10 bill has the word Dix or, D, you know, D-I-X, which is a French word for 10 in each corner. And eventually the people in the South started looking for these $10 bills or what they call these Dixies. And because of that, the entire Deep South became known as Dixieland, which was eventually shortened to just Dixie. As a label for the entire South, Dixie really didn't catch on until 1859 when a song titled Dixie was performed for the first time at a minstrel show. Of course, it being a minstrel show among the all-white crowd, it instantly became a favorite in the South. Dixie is, by all accounts, an ironic embodiment of black people's history in America. It was first sung publicly in Mechanics Hall, New York, by a white minstrel performer, Dan Emmett. Later, President Abraham Lincoln loved the song so much that on April 8, 1865, as he was coming back from visiting his Union Army camps in uh, Richmond, Virginia, he asked a young French nobleman who was sitting beside him if he had ever heard the song. When the young French nobleman told him, no, I've never heard Dixie, Abraham Lincoln asked the boat's band to play the song. Then he told the young French nobleman, the tune is now federal property and it's good to show the southern rebels that with us in power, they at least will be free again to hear the song. It has been a favorite of mine, and since we have captured it, we have a perfect right to enjoy it. Now, whether it was a geographical location or simply a song, Dixie, in every way possible, played a very divisive role in the lives of black people and white folks. For white folks, the word Dixie means the good old days, the Magnolia days, when free or at the most cheap black labor made their lives and their living easier. For black people, the word Dixie, both the place, which means the deep South, and the song is a reminder of generations that suffered, died, were tortured and exploited by the hands of an, of an oppressive majority group. Dixie? Well, the song is still played to this hour at white social, sporting, and political events throughout the South. And this has been today's dirty little secret from the memory hole of history. Do not believe a word I say. 
research it for yourself. Do the research thoroughly. And as always, I encourage you to come back and tell me what it is you found out. Smoke break. Welcome back. And we are now in the sapiosexual session. Today's thought-provoking question asks, Is there a way you can make your relationship a fair proof? Is there a way you can bypass the whole cheating phase of relationships? Can you make your relationship a fair proof? Short answer, yes. How? Aretha Franklin told us this a long time ago. Respect. Folks think that loyalty is more important than respect. But there is no loyalty without respect first. Who's out here loyal to someone they don't respect? No one. So what does respect mean in a relationship? Well, we know affairs happen when respect is lost somehow at some point. Because cheating is not even possible. It's not even a thought that crosses someone's mind if they respect their significant other. But then that requires a functioning, working definition of respect. Let's get into what disrespect is. A lack of respect or disrespectful behavior is always clear and present if you care to look. Is your significant other inconsiderate of what you say? Does she listen to others and follow through on what others tell her she should be doing, but she never acts on what you tell her to do or what you suggest, what you encourage, what you advise? Does he allow others, especially family members and friends, to overstep their boundaries with you? Does your significant other allow others to tell you what you should be doing or not doing within the confines of your relationship? Does your significant other speak badly of you to other people? Listen to what your significant other says during disagreements. This is key because whether respect is established will always be determined during heated moments. A lot of times we say things and hurtful things because we want to get one up on the other person during a disagreement or argument. But chances are a good percentage, I say about 70 to 75 percent of what one says during an argument is actually how they feel is actually what they've been wanting to tell you for a long time, but just haven't. But a good rule of thumb, anyone who speaks disrespectfully of you to their folks or who would let any one of their people, family or friends, speak disrespectfully to you, it is they are definitely someone who would cheat on you. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now because that just goes hand in hand. Disrespecting you consistently is a surefire indicator that cheating is possible, if not already present. But does your significant other support others, but hardly ever shows interest in what you have going on? Or even worse, has your significant other ever degraded your ambitions? For example, have they ever told you that what you were doing was a waste of time? That is disrespectful. Because flip it. Say you went and told them that what they're interested in or, or one of their ambitions was a waste of time. Would that be disrespectful just in terms of showing little to no respect for what their ambitions or efforts are? Let's get deeper into it. How can you tell if the potential for cheating is present? Well, let's see. You don't share many of the same interests. Communication is horrible. You can barely make it through a conversation without arguing or you don't talk much anyway. How about compliments become rare? Now, we know whenever you don't compliment your significant other, then you just leaving the space for someone else to compliment them. And those compliments will always be welcome. And especially this next point, immature behavior becomes the norm. You do a lot of tit for tat. You do a lot of living in the past. You do a lot of holding on to grudges. Neither one of you can forgive properly. But I tell you this. It is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive, forgive everybody. And that's word to Maya Angelou. How about your significant other is more concerned with keeping up with their friends than seeing what you got going on. But this one right here, this is one of my pet peeves. Hypocrisy. They say things to you, say things about you, do things to you that they know they do not and would not ever want done to them, said to them or said about them. 
hypocrisy is a sure sign that respect is severely lacking. So as we've determined, when an affair happens, chances are it isn't a surprise. Some, if not many of the things we just covered are present and accounted for in your relationship. Sometimes we just don't want to look at it. It's not pretty to think of. It's not pretty to look at. But it's fine because that's what the heart does. The heart tries to convince us that we're in love or at least that love is present. And because we get so wrapped up in the web of love, we never stop to really determine, does this person respect me or what is the level of respect this person has for me? Now, despite all of this, another way, in addition to establishing respect to ensure your thing is a fair proof, become best friends. Create the space where even without the romance, you still want to be around each other, sharing your same interests or sharing different interests and just piquing the other person's curiosity with what you're interested in. Because to be best friends, you have to share similar interests, values, and principles. When you enjoy dancing with each other in the middle of the room like no one else exists, you're lost in the moment of each other's presence. When you love traveling together, experiencing new things together, often to the point that you don't want to experience something for the first time unless your significant other, your best friend, is with you. When you are each other's hype man, when you still impress each other when you get dressed, when date night is a whole vibe, when you can simply look into the eyes of your significant other and you see a real one, someone who is always 100 with you, when you have someone who can keep your crazy in check, and when you know that you know you are in good hands, when these type of attributes apply to your relationship, then you indeed have a best friend who is also your love, your person. This, with respect, is how you can make your relationship a fair proof. Think about all this while I take a smoke break. We're back with every episode. We prepare to dip out by first receiving the message from the ancestors. In my Bamalike tradition, the ancestors are a huge, tremendous part of our spirituality. Conversing with the ancestors, receiving messages from the ancestors, petitioning the ancestors for various um, guidance elements that we strive for as we try to navigate these that these days of our lives today's message which is important because of course this is the first holiday season episode so i want to say happy holidays to everyone um uh, happy happy kwanzaa merry christmas happy hanukkah feliz navidad today's words of wisdom tell us experiment to see how little you need once more experiment to see how little you need the hive mind the streamlined thought the mainstream it tells us that more is best get more of this attain more of that gather more of these and you'll be better when in actuality according to me less is more if in fact more is best by less is more i mean decluttering minimalistic tendencies reducing your footprint, so to speak. I think one's space reflects one's mental space also. So if your space is cluttered with this, that, if you can't find stuff, if you just, you know, you've, you've, you've really fallen victim to, to this hyper-consumption society where you find yourself making purchases for impulsive or based on impulsive reasons, and you do not know the beauty and the comfort of decluttering or the art of doing nothing, then I, I encourage you, I suggest to you to get to know these fundamental, fundamental principles of living. The art of doing nothing says do less and accomplish more, and then ultimately do nothing and accomplish everything. That doesn't, of course, mean be in a state of inactivity and just think things are going to fall into place for you, but it means only giving your attention and your energy to the things that are essential. And by that, you're doing nothing. It's likened to floating in a swimming pool. If you're flapping around, panicking, you're sinking, you're going to sink. But if you do nothing, 
your body will naturally float. And that is the art of doing nothing and accomplishing everything. Understanding what's valuable and what's worth possessing. What is actually worth you giving your time to. So in this holiday season, I believe the message from the ancestors, if you want my interpretation, experiment to see how little you need is a indication or a suggestion for us to take inventory and get rid of things that are weighing us down, things that we don't need, whether it's personal, private or public. Go ahead and declutter your space. Go ahead and create that space of serenity and peace within you and truly experiment to see how little you need and feel that all encompassing, encompassing, holistic, vibrational frequency that I hope you take with you into the new year. And this has been today's message from the ancestors. We'll be back. Welcome back. And like we always do at this time, it is time to break out the bows and put one on this thing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Please, please, and please subscribe to this podcast, Omerta Black. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. Also subscribe to my channel on YouTube at Mansabaku. Connect with me for exclusive content only on patreon.com backslash Mansabaku. Follow me on Vero at vero.co at Mansabaku. For those of y'all who don't know, Vero is an alternative to is an alternative to Instagram. I don't know about y'all, but when I get on Instagram, it's nothing but ass. I can't even see y'all. I see add, add, add one of y'all, add, add, add one of y'all. You see what I'm saying? Vero says, hey, let's get back to the social connecting. Let's get back to just seeing the stuff you want to see. So holla at me on Vero.co backslash Mansa Baku. And I will see you beautiful people next Tuesday. As always, don't maintain, make gains.